Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared not God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of life. The first thing I always think, my first impulse when I read this parable is to think that Jesus is drawing a parallel between the unjust judge and God. But that is a mistake. That is not correct. Rather, Jesus is drawing a contrasting image between the unjust judge and God. Jesus is saying in this parable that God... Our God, when we're in prayer, is all the more ready to respond than this unjust judge. When we turn to God in prayer, Jesus is saying that our God is all the more ready to respond. And in fact, we'll act quickly. He makes it clearest in verse 7 and 8. Let's look again there. If you have your Bibles open, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you... He will quickly grant justice to them. He will quickly, he will act quickly. I like the sound of it. It's a good idea when we pray for God to respond. And yet that's not always my experience. How about you? Most of us have prayed for things that we have not received. We've prayed for things, and the answer seems to be too long in coming. Most of us have prayed for things that have not come to pass or took so long to come that we lost track of where God was in our lives. Has that happened to you? It's a common experience among people I talk to. I was talking to a friend just recently, years ago, he was working in the oil and gas business, he was out in the field and there was a gas pipeline explosion. He was injured fairly severely, they were not sure if he would survive, but he did survive, but not without consequences. He's had to have a series of surgeries, some of them really helped, Other the, others of them didn't go so well and then had to have another surgery to kind of respond to what happened to his body after one of the other ones. It was so very frustrating. He still has mobility issues. He has permanent hearing loss. He is struggling. He is frustrated. This is wearing on him and wearing down his family. 
and he's getting ready to face another surgery. And he wanted to know if I would pray with him before the upcoming surgery, but also for the ongoing recovery. His life has not turned out the way he had hoped. Things are not going the way he imagined when he was a young man and when he married and when he had children. It's not panning out. He wants to be faithful. He is a Christian. He's counting on God. But he's in a very difficult place. What is the answer when we find ourselves in that kind of place? Where what we want and what we expect and what we think God should be doing is just not happening. It's not working out. It's not coming to pass. The first thing I think we need to remember is sometimes God does answer prayer, it seems, just the way we expect. And, it, and yet, even for Jesus, sometimes prayers are not answered the way we expect. We've been working through this Gospel of Luke now for the last several weeks. If you've read through it, you know that when you get over to chapter 22, Luke recounts the last night Jesus is with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has a few disciples. He asks to pray with him. They don't do very well, but he's praying really hard. And you know his prayer is, remove this cup from me. Oh, God, if it's possible, remove this cup of suffering from me. Luke says he's praying earnestly, but even in the earnestness of his prayer, he's in deep anguish. He's praying so hard that he begins to sweat, and Luke says the sweat's running off his face and dropping on the ground like drops of blood. Have you ever prayed so hard that you were sweating? Jesus is in a serious moment asking God to do this if it be his will. Does the cup of suffering pass him by? It does not. It comes right to him and he goes to be crucified. Even Jesus prayed for some things that God did not answer the way he wanted. Or consider St. Paul, hero of the early church, writer of more of the New Testament Christian scriptures than any other single person, spread the message of love and of God's grace at work in the world probably more effectively than anyone. And yet he tells the early Christians at Corinth that he has this malady, this thorn in the flesh, and that he prayed earnestly three times to God to remove it from him. And it did not happen. God did not do it the way Paul wanted. Perhaps if what Jesus prays for and what St. Paul prays for doesn't always come to pass, maybe when that is our experience, it would be important to remember we're not the only ones. That God doesn't always answer prayer the way we want or the way we expect. And as I was working all this, I thought of that song that Garth Brooks sang several years ago. If you're a country music fan, you'll remember it, Unanswered Prayers. You remember that one? If you're not a country music fan, I'm going to read you the words. <laughs> it's about a young man who had been in love in high school, had graduated, gone on with his life, 
married come back to a high school football game. And then the second verse says, she was the one that I'd wanted for all times. He's just seen this girlfriend. And each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me this wish, I wish back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Then comes the chorus. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. The song goes on to describe how this young man realizes that what he had prayed for with all of his heart, I mean, he had given it everything, was less than what God had in mind for him. The last verse says, as she walked away talking about his high school love, and I looked at my wife right then and there, I thank the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Sometimes God is working in our lives in a way that we don't see, we don't understand, we have yet to conceive of how it could be any way except for the way we want and the way we pray. Sometimes our prayers are not answered the way we want or expect. And sometimes God's inaction is the best thing for us. Even if we can't see it. It may take some years. Sometimes we see it in hindsight so much more clearly that what we have prayed for and what we thought then and what we think now are completely different. Dr. Lovett Weems is a United Methodist pastor. He's been a seminary president of one of our United Methodist seminaries. He's now one of the lead researchers for United Methodism in the world. Bishop Hayes, our bishop, had him here in Oklahoma this week to speak to all the clergy. Many of us went over on Tuesday to hear him speak. He was talking about church vitality and worship and any number of things that we should know about as United Methodist. He had some ideas on how some of us might do it better, how we might make some improvements, how we might reach more people for Christ. But at one point, he shared a very personal story. He said that he had four children, that he was a pastor of small churches in Mississippi when the first three were born. The fourth one was born, and then he had opportunity to change jobs, to leave the local church and go work for the seminary. He said it was a great opportunity, and he went and took it. But what he didn't realize is that when he changed jobs, it also changed his family life dramatically. He said all those things that had bonded them as a family in the local church when he was a pastor disappeared. Worship every Sunday together. Potluck dinners, family picnics. He said all the things that he had, in a sense, taken for granted that his first three children experienced with him, the fourth one didn't get to experience. He said, my job took me on the road. I was in a different church every Sunday. My family was at church, but I was traveling. I was off and going during the week, and it became apparent to me and then to everybody in my family that I was just not connected emotionally with the youngest son the way I was with the other three. There was a gap there, and it became worse and worse. He said, finally, it got so bad that when the child was in elementary school, the school counselor called the Weems household and said, we need you all to come in and talk to us. We've got a problem with Lawrence. He 
He said the whole family went in to talk about what they could do. His behavior was suffering. He was not getting along well. His grades were dropping. He said they ended up with a plan and all of them had an assignment. His assignment was to do social studies with the young man every night. But he said, I was still traveling, so some nights I had to call in, but we would talk about the chapter or whatever he was studying, the worksheet. I would quiz him. I made sure that he knew it. I was working so hard. Everybody in the family saw it, and I was doing a great job. He said, until we got the report cards, I had done such a great job that my youngest son had moved from a C to a C minus. He said, now, the boy didn't care. He was feeling better. We had bridged the gap emotionally. We were getting along. C-minus was okay with him. But Dr. Weems said, as a father, I was feeling like a failure. I felt like somehow I'd gone astray, that after I gave all this effort, that somehow I'd made such a big mistake that maybe I couldn't correct it. Maybe we couldn't get over this. Maybe he wasn't going to do better. He said, we went through the summer, we continued to focus on having family time and building emotional strength in our family. And he said, finally, the next year, the grades began to inch up a little bit and a little bit. And over the next few years, he said, my youngest son did better and better until finally he became a straight-A student. And he pointed out a truth we all need to hear. Some results take more time. Some results, even though God is working for good in our lives, just take more time than we're usually willing to give it. He reminded us of the image of the harvest. He said, you know, if you, you can't just drive out to a field and collect a harvest. There's a lot of plowing and planting and cultivating and usually waiting before you get to receive the harvest. He said our lives are like that often. And sometimes we get impatient. He closed with a verse out of Galatians where Paul is using the same image of the harvest. And he says, do not grow weary in doing good, for you will reap at harvest time if, if you continue to work. If you continue. Where are you in your life with Christ, in your prayer life, in your life of faith? Even if God doesn't respond just the way you want are you staying connected you remember that quote by dr martin luther king jr he said the arc of the moral universe is long but it's bending toward justice his experience obviously had been that not everything seemed just in his life but he believed that god was at work for good and even though he couldn't always see the end, that he still believed and had faith that God was at work for good in his life and in the world and in the universe. Or it's like the elderly black pastor shared once with a group of folks who were talking about injustice and oppression and civil rights. The story goes that he read them this very parable and then said, unless you have stood at a door knocking, at a locked door knocking until your knuckles are bloody, you do not understand what prayer is. Sometimes results take longer. But Jesus finishes with verse 8 in our parable today. He tells us once again that God will quickly grant justice to them 
that God is faithful, that God is trustworthy, that you can count on it. God is at work for good in your life. But then he turns it at the very end away from a focus on God to a focus on us. Did you notice that? The very last sentence we read, the second half of verse 8, after he says, now God is going to act quickly. Then he says, and yet, and yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He turns the focus back on us. He puts the ball in our court, so to speak. He says God is going to be faithful. God is at work. You can count on it. But what about you? Will you continue to work? Will you continue to pray? Will you continue to have faith? That's the question for you and I today. Will we persist in our prayer and our faith even when circumstances look dire, even when it doesn't turn out just the way we thought it should, even when it doesn't happen as quick as we thought it might? Will we have faith? This is a parable of encouragement. Jesus is saying God is there for you. God is at work. God will act. But how about you? He says pray on. Persist in your prayers. Even if it seems God says no, persist in your prayers. Even if you think God is too slow, persist in your prayers. It will pay off. You can count on God, Jesus is telling his disciples. It's a message of good news for you and I as well. I thought of one of my favorite stories of persistence as I was reading through this and working on our time together. It was the one about Roger Bannister. It happened in the late 1940s, early 1950s. Roger Bannister from England. He started running when he was in high school. Turns out he was a really good athlete. He could run really fast. Before long, he was challenging the best runners in England. It was a time in our history where people were trying to run a mile faster than four minutes. No one had ever done it 